Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, how AI and Web3 are upending the music industry. In this episode, we'll talk about how generative AI is coming to music, what Web3 and NFTs and blockchain mean for music rights, and we also take a look at some of the Nordic startups within music tech. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleagues Erik Sedin and Roland Philipp Kretschmar. How are you guys? Very well, thanks. Perfectly fine. How about you? Wonderful. It feels weird uh, with this new intro music, Eric. What 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 is this? <laughs> did you did you did you do it? Yeah, I guess I'm the composer and the creative genius behind it in a way. Uh, no, it's from a um, music platform called Iva uh, from Luxembourg. Uh, so I basically just put in a prompt. I put in future synth, 60 BPM, B minor, and then it gave me five songs within 10 seconds. Uh, and I thought, that sounds like a good podcast intro, so I put it in. Well, this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, I still think you should have gone back and did some some Nordic instructions on the prompt. Can we do some Nordic or Scandinavian inspiration for the music for, for next episode, perhaps? Okay, yeah, that's cool. One new <laughs> intro for every, every episode. Exactly. Cold, well, dark, depressive, seasonal, uh, <laughs> C minor music <laughs> february music uh so you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh you know ai and uh, you know we went deep into chat gpt and this is a, a topic that is uh uh vibrant in our slack feed and we keep talking about it so and one industry that we didn't mention that much a little bit at the end of it um is music and there's so much chatter around uh, ai uh, obviously, in the wake of, of uh, the launch of ChatGPT back in November, um, there's a lot of buzz around Google being pa- in panic mode about this. Uh, there's a kind of existential crisis. But there was also a story out recently, also Google-related. And Roland, you've been li- looking into this, that they are actually sitting on an AI kind of music machine mm. that they're not launching. Maybe we can start there. <laughs> that, which is pretty interesting in itself, right? Uh, but I just wanted to comment quickly on, on on Google generally. I mean, I don't think they're in a panic mode, to be honest. Um, I mean, they, they've been media, at the forefront. I have been. They've been at the <laughs> forefront of AI for twenty years. You know, mm. I just think it was. Um, you know, just uh, how do you say a coincidence uh, or, you know, timing issue when uh, Microsoft launched their version, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be totally fine. Google is going to take over as, as, as leaders of AI just in a matter of days. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's just wait patiently for their GBT version. Anyways, apparently Google, they have this um, AI kind of music generator, you could say, mm-hmm. called Music LM. So it is apparently available, but has not been released yet, let's say. And we're going to get into what it is. Uh, But first, I mean, of course, there are many examples of platforms uh, generating uh, music uh, with different kind of, uh, you know, prompts. Uh, I mean, Eric, you're going to explain a bit more about that later. And, uh, you know, there have been um, Refusion. It's an AI that composes music by visualizing it. Dance Diffusion, 
Google actually had Audio ML um, that they developed in the past. There's OpenAI's Jukebox. I mean, there are a lot of different mm. examples out there already. But what these different platforms cannot do is to produce songs that are complex in composition or high fidelity. And apparently Music LM can do that. So in an academic paper that uh, Google uh, published a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> Music LM apparently then is trained on a data set of 280,000 hours of music as a starting point to generate coherent songs. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you get this kind of significant complexity as they say themselves so for example enchanting jazz song with a memorable saxophone solo and a solo singer Berlin 90s techno with a low bass and strong kick. Those prompts will then generate complex high fidelity tunes. Uh, so this is um, basically based on, on, on text prompts, right? Um, and then uh, you, you can, uh, you know, kind of uh, compose Based on the first tunes that you get, you can then continue the composition and you can kind of um, have an iterative process, uh, which in, in itself then sparks creativity. And I think that is in itself the interesting part. But apparently then also uh, music LM can also be instructed by a combination of picture and caption or generate audio that's played by a specific type of instrument in a certain genre. Wow. That in itself is also what makes Music LM stand apart from, from the other platforms or services that we see out there. So um, do we know what's the story on why they're not releasing it? Apparently it is because they are not, well, one, not yet satisfied with the quality of the output. Mm-hmm. And and this is something I, I don't know if it's true or not, but there seems to be this rumor that they are, let's say, afraid in brackets of, of kind of um, getting into conflict with the music industry. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe they are finding a way to, I don't know, uh, work with um, other uh, players in the music industry in the release of this. I have no idea, to be honest. Um, and this is uh, what, what I'm sharing now is anecdotal, you know, based on articles, the white paper, uh, mm. comments uh, online. So I don't have uh, first-hand um, uh, information about this. Um, but do it you, is interesting. A, yeah. yeah. Do you have a sense that, we, because you know, on our last episode, we talked about, obviously, text. We talked about AI doing voiceover, creating videos, uh, even uh, creating fashion collections. And there's all, you know, in I think in all of these examples, I mean, we're getting really close to kind of, human sounding like or human created uh, like uh, um, a quality to it but especially in the in the fashion examples you can really see that it's this is like uh, computer generated somehow do you have a sense that music is kind of closer to creating something that we can't distinguish from from what kind of humans have made 
I think it's it's interesting, Conrad. I think I don't know about you guys, but I'm personally not musical at all. <laughs> I'm terrible with sounds and stuff. So, but even I, from the from the examples I've been trying out there, even I can tell a difference. I can tell that it's quite flat. So, mm. I'm guessing for people in the music industry, they will probably be even better at telling if it's if it's AI generated or if it's been put love and effort into it or not. Well, Eric, you've been using some of these tools, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, what's it like uh, using them compared to, uh, let's say, Dolly that does video or, or ChatGPT that does text? Is it, is it the same type of, of setup? I think uh, this one is a bit more like uh, Aiva then that I've talked about that we heard in the intro. It kind of holds your hand a bit more. Like you can't really, it doesn't give you a completely free text prompt. Uh, you have templates that you can choose from and it gives you, for example, I thought it was interesting that when I chose to make this intro for this song, <laughs> there were five emojis I could choose from <laughs> to get mm. the, the feeling of it. So <laughs> that was a happy emoji, a, a crying emoji, a scared emoji, and one that looks worried. So I'm not sure what the difference is between a worried and a scared one. I'm guessing because this is for someone like me that doesn't know music at all, that just wants a podcast intro, or I'm doing a YouTube video or I'm doing an Instagram reel. I just want something that sounds scary or happy or, or worried or whatever. So it kind of, it holds your hand a bit more than, for example, ChatGPT. So basically all I did was I put in, like I said, I put in a futuristic or future, uh, future sync. I put the BPM and I put the emotion in uh, or minor or major. Then you choose how long you want it to be. Uh, and then it pops you out in a couple of seconds. It gives you many, many versions. Went to their Q&A part, Avastan, and it tell you that it's, they, they, it's designed so that it can't, it's practically impossible for it to create a song twice. You know, so every song that you create, I've created five now in five minutes. You guys can go and make one and they can make billions and billions and billions, endless of songs. None of them will ever be identical to another one. Can I ask you, Eric? Did did you get a sense of from where it pulls the kind of the melodies? Because I I think this is maybe at the core of why Google are not releasing their 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 service yet. It's because of ownership rights, and mm-hmm. and the music industry are are, are lethal <laughs> when it comes to ownership, right? Yeah, of course. So. Um, I mean, if we talk about sampling, I mean, the music industry has been at war with, you know, mm. the, the oh, sample yeah. culture or the remix culture for decades, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I think maybe that is one of the problems with the this platform that Google released, that who owns the melody that then is used or produced or how similar is that melody to something right. that is already released and you know it's it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's quite complicated right but did you get right. a sense of that when you used you know I, I, like like i said i'm not musically i'm musically interested but I, I have no talent for music at all so i couldn't tell like oh this reminds me of uh, of daft punk or this reminds me of depeche mode like you said it's interesting that you said that maybe they will create a melody that's completely identical to a already existing song that's out there mm. And for someone like me that doesn't know much about music, maybe I'll just oh I'll download this and I use it in my in my YouTube video, and it sounds like something else. Uh, and then it gets. But they do have speaking of uh, of the um, copywriting, they do have this Iva tool has three um, subscription you can pay for. So one is free, which I used, so I can download three songs per um, per month up to three minutes long. And but I don't own any part of it. I have no copyright. Uh, I have I can't monetize on it. And I have to give credit to Iva, which I'm doing right now. If you're listening, Iva, it's a great tool. <laughs> Thank you for letting me download a song. 
And then they also have a pro one that costs $33 a month uh, or euros a month. And you have the full copyright. So you own the song completely and you have full monetization for it. So that means that you can use it wherever you want, uh, which is quite interesting when you think about it, how you can own a song completely that you've with zero music interest have made. Especially and, where, I mean, as you say, if, if, if we would use this and, and upload, uh, upload it on YouTube and then YouTube would recognize this as copyright infringement or, or you know, an, an artist would find this out and basically sue you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> be like, hey, who do you blame? Because do you blame the platform or do you be, you're like, no, my, my text prompts are the one to blame or you know, it's, it's quite complicated. Well, at some yeah. point you have to blame the one who publishes the, the work, I, I guess. But yeah. we're, we're touching upon, a, uh, you know, uh, we talked about it as uh, a similar issue in, in uh, the AI, um, uh, the image generating AIs. And there's uh, several lawsuits uh, that are happening right now. I think Get the Images is suing. Uh, stable diffusion for for they apparently they used the entire get the images uh, <laughs> library to train its AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that poses the kind of similar question: Where does the raw material come from? Where does the inspiration come from from this work? On the other hand, hasn't music always been? artists kind of replicating or being inspired by other artists and creating their own work. So what's the difference uh, um, between with an AI doing it? Of course. Uh, it's interesting. And uh, I think, like I said, just to start with, I'm not sure if this, this can in no shape, way or form replace an artist, a musical artist like the, the, J, the, the AI uh, f- Picture art can replace a photographer or whatever. It's mm. not, not you can tell that it's not. Even I can tell, but you can tell. You can say on this website, on Ava's website, they have, for example, the Nordic Business Forum uses Ava's on their walk-on music. You know, when people walk on stage and stuff. And for these kind of occasions, I think this is perfect. You know, just like some kind of if you wanted some dramatic music for people mm. walking on stage, some lasers. Wow, we're going to talk about um, our business now. Perfect. You know, it's quite and it's over in ten seconds. It's perfect. Uh, I'm not so sure from just from what I've been listening. I've been watching some YouTube videos. Sounds a bit flat to me. It but does, it could. It be, sounds, I mean, um, it could be a slippery slope. One, I, I'm going to give another maybe anecdotal uh, um, story. But I, from when I'm speaking to people in the music industry, they say that this is correct, and that is, I think uh, Spotify's recommendation engine uh, is very skewed towards music that is uh, let's say cheaper for them to recommend so <laughs> all of i mean i you i often use the the discover weekly playlist on spotify mm-hmm. but i can, i i noticed if i don't train my spotify if i don't seek up music or new swedish music that i like or new music from uh, let's say quote unquote real artist what the discovery engine does is that it takes songs that I like, like, you know, 70s Neil Young songs, and they offer me the cover version. And you, sometimes when I go into this cover version, I notice mm. it's just like some uh, <laughs> bland, uh, generic type album of collected music. Someone who just played like 
recorded all these songs with some studio musicians or something and it's it, it sits some somewhere in between like a, a elevator music and kind of my favorite music which would be neil young or Jonah wow. mitchell or whatever it's happened to me this morning um and from speaking to people in the music industry they say this is a huge issue where of course spotify is incentivized not to recommend Let's say Taylor Swift, who uh, uh, famously has been very good at negotiating her her rights on these platforms. So maybe, what you know, but still these are musicians, I'm guessing, or people who own this music uh, that have uploaded this on on Spotify, and there there is a huge sort of kind of industry around uh, musicians or producers uploading uh, huge amounts of music on these streaming platforms just to kind of capture people's attention and get 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 the you know minutes to stream so to speak mm-hmm. so maybe this is the next step of it what if these sort of a i'm sure they are already creeping in there somehow or people are using ai tools to generate this kind of ev- elevator type mm. music this kind of bland generic type music <laughs> yeah and there was this uh, <clears throat> i think big uh, article a year ago or so about uh, the swedish producers behind i think it was like 20 percent of the muzak yeah. kind of uh, tunes on on spotify it's a huge industry of just this kind of elevated type muzak type of music and 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 the biggest producers are some some Swedish guys, uh, pretty unknown, but they, they they make so much money from just very generic, bland music. Anyways, I, I I have a question to our or an ask to our listeners. So if you are a professional music producer listening to this, I would be very curious to hear from you to understand how much or not would you be willing to use these kind of platforms in a professional context, mm. in a studio context. So kind of intertwining the use of these AI platforms into the process of making music professionally. Because I think that in itself could be interesting, right? So as ChatGBT is a good sparring partner for a, for an editor or a writer, I guess, the, uh, you know, these kind of platforms could be a good sp- creative sparring partner to, to, to um, professional musician or producer. Yeah, of course, to help with writer's block and stuff. Uh... Uh, I think that's. I think it's a tool right now. It still needs that human touch, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, someone, please, please come on the show. Let's continue talking about music rights. And there are a few uh, services coming out. Eric, you've been looking into a service called Another Block, uh, mm. which combines uh, kind of music rights with with blockchain technology and NFTs. Can you describe this service for us? Yeah, so uh, just for a little plug for our upcoming issue four, we're actually interviewing uh, the founder, uh, Michel Traore, uh, Swedish, this is a Swedish uh, platform. And uh, so if people, if you get interested, buy our issue four, read it, you will get more, get an interview with him. Basically, what they do is uh, they work together with uh, right holders of music. So it's producers, writers, artists, agents, and whatever. And they then divest a percentage of their streaming rights to another block who then can sell it to us or the people who wants to buy one. So basically it's for fans. Like any, if you want to buy a Joni Mitchell uh, percentage of a song or a Neil Young or whatever you said, you can do that. So how it works, for example, I've been on their website today. They're going to, the, the track Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna, which is a total banger, by the way. I might have to buy a percentage in this. They release 300 um, minted tokens of this that you can buy. With an ETH price of 0.125, so around $210. Uh, 
so that means that you can own a small part of this song and then they give you for this uh, Rihanna song they give you like how, how much you, money they think you will make and how much streams they think will make in a, in, a, in the next six months and then another block then if you buy a part of the song will pay you every six months whatever money uh, you generated through only through um, streams uh, on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. That is in itself, um, <clears throat> I think, really, really interesting. Um, the question, and I, I think the, the, what is a bit surprising is that they they have, for example, an artist as uh, Rihanna uh, engaged in this. I think it's it's super interesting and, of course, very encouraging. Mm. Um, I'm wondering about crowdsourcing in general. I mean, we've been hearing about crowdsourced music and kind of <clears throat> co-ownerships for, for many years now. I haven't seen any real example at scale. Um, it seems to me that the music industry, I mean, this is the maybe the last territory <laughs> where they have some sort of uh, control. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm positive, I'm curious, but I'm also a bit worried that we will not see these examples scale. Um, but hey, you know, uh, maybe I would have said the same uh, 15 years ago when Spotify launched. Um, what do you think, Eric? Do you think this will scale? Uh, I'm not sure. This I, I, There could be uh, even bigger ones. This is a Scandinavian version for people to understand, but I think so. I think this could scale, definitely. They're saying in this interview, I'm not, I'm not trying to spoil the interview, but he's saying about how he's also trying to get away from the blockchain part and the Web3 and NFT part, mm -hmm. which, of course, could be a thing. It's it's a great way to see how you own it for its entirety and, and forever because it's on the blockchain. But he was he's, he's saying, basically, they have to kind of shy away from that and getting it easier for more people to invest in just one song and just getting you know, a small anyone who uses blockchain as a technology right now is trying to shy away from it so they're trying to downplay <laughs> the, the whole crypto part of it i mean and i think just as a comment on that it kind of goes to a point we've been talking about earlier that blockchain is just another kind of tool it's a it's a utility and it's mm -hmm. how you use the utility that's the interesting part not the fact that it's a a, a, a blockchain or nft or or or, or crypto technology. Um, they do have some interesting, I mean, Steven Jello from uh, um, Swedish House Mafia is one of the investors of another block. And they, they have, you know, influential people from the music industry behind it. So that perhaps speaks to the fact that it could, could work. But as you say, Roland, the, the jury is still out to see if this uh, will scale and this will be a, a massive thing. There are other services out there that are sort of enabling um, uh, uh, artists uh, with technology. There's another. Uh, there's a service called Amuse that I've been looking into. Uh, um, a friend of mine just started working there, and they are both, uh, I think, uh, managing the rights, but they're also distribution platforms. So kind of like we use for this podcast, we use one distribution platform, and they they'll distribute it on every podcast platform there is, but they're also funding artists. So they're offering advances to artists who wants uh, funding to record music and which will then they, then uh, Muse will redeem once the the, the music is, is released on, on the various platforms. And they also have kind of like a record label uh, tier to it. Is that like the top of the pyramid is that they're actually also signing artists. There are several of these services out there that are really enabling, I think, new uh, creators creators 
I mean, new artists that don't have the connection in the industry, that don't know the right people, but are are, are talented and can get their music out. And some of these are like major players uh, on on streaming services, and also uh, they some of these services they usually also track the artists' TikTok plays, which is obviously a new new metric for for everyone in the music industry. I'm wondering whether because I mean. As with writing or editing or, or photography or, or video, um, I mean, everyone is a content producer nowadays, mm. right? And we will see the same then with music. That's our theory here. Um, but will this not kind of, will this not then spark, e- I mean, even more the need for, stars or celebrities or you know that you know because you need something else you need you know in order to really really excel in an industry you need to be more than just a producer For right sure. or you need the kind of the accountability and you need the brand uh or the the kind of the celebrity part of it Exactly. I think that's, that's I think that's huge. And probably I mean what we with many technologies what we're seeing is that the middle is kind of gets washed out. Yeah. Uh, so you have a few uh, kind of top tier stars that take all the attention and all the money and reap all the rewards and then there's just a huge long tail of 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 stuff that uh, just exists out there. The same with podcasting. There's like a handful of podcasters um, that are are like the biggest in the world. That's sort of the Joe Rogan. We Rogans, are among so those. We are unfortunately, I think, we are part of the long tail, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and we see all. I thought you know, speaking of podcasting, I saw that I think last year we saw podcasting uh, actually went down. It had like a little bit of a spike during the pandemic. Everyone started a podcast, and uh, people realized, as we know uh, <laughs> all too dearly, that it takes so much effort to doing it every week, uh, week in, week out. Well, uh, it's all about consistency, right? It's all about consistency. But it's okay. but going back to the, what you, your point, th- that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I think, uh, I don't know what, what, where it stands right now, but just a couple of months ago, uh, Taylor Swift had like nine of 10 top songs on crazy. all streaming services. Like that's one crazy. celebrity, one star. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, then was the whole debacle when she sold her concert ticket and she, she could she could sell like 20 million tickets. They only had room for 2 million and, and it crashed all the systems and Ticketmaster and, and whatnot. So that's the kind of, I think the the dystopian version of this is that uh, too much of our sound that we consume will be sort of blended out. It will be generated. It will be uh, generic uh, uh, sounds. And and then there's going to be a few a handful of, of stars that will kind of capture our attention. And they capture our attention across multiple platforms, not just that they are artists, they are our influencers, they are our sort of TikTok stars, they they, they appear in our movies and, and so forth. Uh, I can I ask you, do you think yeah. that this will then, let's say, kill the overly curated and produced, let's say, celebrity? I mean, will this mean that the top tier celebrities, let's say in the music industry, if we stick to that, that they actually need to have talent that they need to be part of the creative process, writing, producing, uh, all of this. Because, I mean, in, we've, we've seen so many examples in, in the past of music artists that are, you know, great at singing, 
but they, they they don't do much else, right? And then we have uh, a handful of really really multi talented uh, stars, you know, that you know take Lady Gaga, you know, or or even Taylor Swift. I mean, that they write, they produce, they sing, they publish, they you know they they're part of every element uh, of the creative process and of the marketing mechanism mm. do, do you think that that will be um prerequisite to to, to become part of the top tier or I, 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 will we yeah. see even more kind of of these kind of uh let's say superficially uh, produced curated uh celebrities where uh you know you have <clears throat> a lot of um ai generated uh, music uh, deliver them to 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 someone with the looks and, and the voice. I think the first uh, version of your scenario is is probably the, the truest. And uh, you know, I, with all the the artists that we mentioned, I think over time you know, people talk about authenticity, this buzzword. But if you're able to uh, project a certain level of authenticity over time, I think that ultimately wins because that's what pe- that was that's what people resonate with, and that's what comes through, and that's what you can actually deliver across uh, uh, multiple platforms as well. Uh, so I think you know any artist or any creator needs to look really hard on what makes them unique what 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 is the personality what what's the what's the thing that that connects them to um to uh, their audience or the listener or the consumer uh because everything else around it the, the craftsmanship the producing the the creating the even the writing of the music we learn now is could be kind of generated or uh, um, uh, sort of uh, put into a, a machine. So I think the, you know it's all in the execution, and to be able to execute over time. And we uh, again, we see. I think we're going to see it with authors. Uh, with with we, we talked about it with podcasters. Uh, I think with with artists as well. Um, I'm sure you have a perspective on this. You cover the art world so much. Anyone who can project or or deliver. Uh, a sense of authenticity over time right now is the one that has a chance to to kind of win this game. Okay, so we need to wrap it up soon, but where where does this land? If we can look at the crystal bowl a, a little bit, where is is the the music industry headed? Um, Roland, what's your what, what's your thoughts right now? I mean, I'm. As I said earlier, I'm I'm uh, positive and curious. I'm also a bit hesitant, given the um, the, the control the music industry uh, has over uh, rights, uh, mm. as an example. However, I I believe that the music industry, uh, I mean, is fundamentally based on on um, on community, right, and uh, the, the fans and uh, uh, a, a kind of a collective sense of identity. And I think that in itself could potentially be what uh, sparks uh, the, the, the scalability of these different tools and platforms, especially around co-ownership, that if you are uh, a fan of Taylor Swift, of course you would like to also be co-owning uh, the music right. that, that right. she uh, publishes, right? Um, much more than you would say be um, encouraged to co-own a book. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, of course, there are fans of, of J.K. Rowling or, or, you know, Harry Potter fans or whatever, right? But I think still the music industry is a bit different. 
especially because it is so much connected to identity. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm positive. Uh, I think we are in the early stages, and the big caveat is again uh, the, the the copyright <laughs> issue that the whole music industry is struggling with all the time. Uh, but yeah, that that's my take on it. Yeah, I, th- that's, I think that's a great take and that's a great kind of promise of, you know, to land where we started, you know, how, how tech will, will upend the music industry. And we've talked about this before with, you know, all the Web3 stuff, all the NFT stuff. The promise, the positive promise of this is that it can, it can empower the creators and, and uh, give a better connection between kind of the fans and the creators and cut out the kind of the evil industry, so to speak. I have... Um, a few friends of mine have started a new kind of live streaming service called React Live. They do um, uh, concerts. It started in the pandemic and now they're developing it. They're doing concerts uh, digitally. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, right now it's kind of a niche thing, but they are steadily growing their their numbers. And you wouldn't think this, a lot of people uh, uh, wrote this off as a kind of a pandemic thing that, that wasn't going to last, but they are, are actually gaining momentum and and. Uh, f- from what I learned, the artists are getting more money. It's more direct, uh, and the fans are getting a, a much more closer connection to the artist experience. So I think in that intersection, it, that that's where we're gonna look. And and going back to the authenticity part, that's also where you can kind of prove the authenticity mm. um, if there's a greater connection between the artist and the fans. And I must add, maybe as a la- the last comment that. Uh, if we're going to look into the crystal ball and if we uh, are going to do more research into this uh, field, um, I think we should look at Korea. Uh, right. I think the whole K-pop industry, I mean, you know, the, the big groups over there, they sell millions and millions and millions of live streaming tickets um, every day. Um, you know, it, it it's already big business over there, uh, live streaming. Um, and I think maybe then the let's say the jump into co-ownership and distributed ownership and uh, ai generated music etc is not that far uh, so I, I think that could in itself be interesting to to deep dive into let's do that i love these episodes where we try to kind of unpack new phenomenon in in these industries that we cover and uh, also kind of refreshing to take a step aside from all the fashion week and design week bonanza that that is happening right Ooh. now in, in the rest of our lives. Um, we'll be back for sure uh, next week. Um, we'll also start publishing our uh, talks program from SIF, which we um, held last week in Copenhagen. Uh, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on any of that content. Erik Roland, thank you so much for this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.